Well, good morning, church. It's really good to be with you as we uh, have been studying 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. If you've been here, you've been part of that. It's been a lot of fun. The sermon series title is The People Who Love, and we've just been asking, what would it be like in our world if when people looked at us and thought about us, they thought, boy, I may not agree with everything they agree or I may not have the same background as them, or I may not always understand why they do those things, but I tell you what, those people sure do love me. If we became known as the people who love, and it seems like John tries to make that case through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and so hopefully you can follow along the sermon page, there's a kids page that may be of help to you. But we've been talking about some words, uh, a lot of verbs, If we're going to love people, there's lots of verbs that have to be attached to that. But today we want to talk about this word, church. And, And not just talk about individually how do we love, but as a church, how do we love? What does that look like? Let me just ask you this. Like, how important is church to you? And some people might say, well, it's 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 nice, it's fine, it's good, it's once a week, it's something we like, it's Maybe you would say, it's a great thing. Let me just tell you what Jesus thought about the church. There's this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 where uh, Paul is writing and he's talking about the church and he's talking about Jesus, but then he's also talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife. And he says, husbands ought to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. How much did he love the church? It says, and he gave himself for her. How much did Jesus give of himself for the church? His entire life. He died for the church. So the question is, how much did Jesus value the church? And the answer, enough to die for the church. And so I don't have to be bashful in suggesting to you, in fact, even asking of you, give your life to the church. Because Jesus gave his life to the church. I think it's worth it to give our sweat and tears and energy and work and resources and money and prayers and time to the church because Jesus gave all that he had to the church. Now, you should not give to the church because you think I'm perfect. And if you've known me for more than two seconds, you know that's not true anyway. You should not give to the church because we're perfect. You should have seen what the person to your right did earlier this morning, right? You should not give to the church because we have the best building in the entire world. No, there's a little leak when the north wind blows that we just can't fix, right? Kind of gets the carpet wet. And you should not give to the church because all of our ministries are always perfect and running uh, fantastic. We had a piece of equipment break this morning. No, 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 you should not. Give your life to the church because all of us are perfect. You should give your life to the church because Jesus is perfect and he gave his life to the church. And so we follow after him and that makes it worth it. And God's plan to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ, is the church. That's his plan A. If you were to go to God and say, hey God, how do you plan to save the world through Jesus? He'd say, the plan is the church. They are my hands, they're my feet, they're to go and they're to tell and to love and to share and to serve and pray. That's my plan for saving the world. So I believe 
that you should give your life to the church because the church is God's plan to save the world through his son Christ. So what does it mean for the church to be used by God and to be at God's disposal to help save the world and to really be the church that God wants? There's three, kind of just three steps that I see through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and I want to mention those to you this morning. And the first one is this. We listen to love. The church listens to love. Now, it's one thing to hear and another thing to listen. Kids, any, any of you kids trying to talk to your dad yesterday and there was a game on the television? And the words were leaving your mouth and clearly hitting his ear, but he wasn't actually listening. And so, you know, he's like yelling, there should have been a foul on that play, or that was a strike, or he was yelling something at the TV, and then he kind of just kind of mumbles to you, yeah, yeah, it's fine that your room's on fire. Now go back, go back there and he, so I can watch the game. And you realize, okay, dad heard me, but he wasn't really listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Um, many years ago, in this parking lot, my wife came to me and she said something like, will you be home here in a few minutes? I don't have any memory of her saying that to me. I was talking with somebody else, and apparently I said something like, "Uh uh-huh, to her. And so she went home, and she began waiting for me, waiting and waiting. She had no idea that my plan that day was to hang out with a high school kid and take him to the par three golf course I had been promising him. So we were at La Fortune playing golf, hanging out. Meanwhile, my wife is at home calling all of the hospital emergency rooms in Tulsa because she assumes I must be dead or injured in a car wreck. And so we had very different afternoons that day. And oops, um, somebody was in trouble later on that day. There's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a verse that we've been saying a lot. You've been reading it. You've been hearing it. But the question I have for you is, have you really listened to it. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God for that is what we are. You've heard that, but have you really been listening? That God says, I love you. I really love you. And I've shown you all of my love. And you are my child. I hope that you're really listening to those words. Because when we listen to those words, it changes everything. We have to learn to be able to listen to the Father's voice. Comedian um, Michael Jr. helps us understand uh, why we need to listen to the Father's voice. So watch this clip. Yo, comedian Michael Jr. here. As you know, I just flat out enjoy doing comedy. But one of the things I love way more than that is being a dad. Not too long ago, I'm going through some video footage, and I run into this video of my youngest daughter being born. Now, of course, I was there. I actually took the video, but I had never really experienced it from this perspective before. Now, look, we're in the hospital room. She's uh, sticky, and she's baby and all that stuff, and she's in the middle of crying. And then I speak up. I start talking to her, and watch how she responds when she hears my voice. 
okay, Portland. Look, I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. Right here. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, baby. It's okay. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so check it. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, and stops crying, like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. Okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I'm right here, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. That's just phenomenal. <laughs> like, whoa. Here's the thing. We'll always have times where we're not as comfortable, probably even to the point of tears, where life is just heavy. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is trying to talk to you. And I can tell you what he wants you to know is that he loves you. All you got to do is open your eyes. Happy Father's Day. Now... We have, some, we have some guys in here that are going to be new fathers here in a few days or weeks. It may not go like that. I'm just warning you. <laughs> but you try. You try. And we'll see what happens. There's this awesome verse in the Gospel of John. Um, so not 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, but uh, the Gospel of John. And it's John 10, 27. And it says, Jesus talking, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So God hears us, and then he says, I speak, and I want you to listen to me so that you can follow my voice. And there's lots of voices out there that you'll hear. And people will tell you, hey, you need to have all this stuff in order to be happy. Or you got to have all of this education and money in order to be happy. Or uh, you have to have all of these relationships just right in order to be happy. Or you need to do this. Uh, or you need to hang on to this. Or you need to be scared about this. There's lots of voices out there. And sometimes it's hard to crowd all of those out and just listen to God's voice. The one voice that really, really matters. You know, Highland Park Christian Church is a non-denominational church. And some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. And that's fine. I'm going to explain it to you because it has something to do with this idea of listening to God's voice. Um, what it means is that there's not an organizational kind of structure that we fall underneath. So there's not people that tell us, you have to believe this way about the Bible, or you have to believe that way about the Bible, or you have to do this or do that we don't actually answer to anybody else outside of this church family. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, to be real honest with you. There's some good things about being part of a denomination, but one of the bad things for us 
that could be a problem is if we ever quit really paying attention to God's voice, if we ever quit really studying and listening and learning from God, then we could be led astray from God's truth if we aren't really paying attention because we would not have somebody else to say, hey, Highland Park, you're out of line. So you know what that means? It means that every one of you has a responsibility to this church family to listen to God's voice, to study scriptures and to be praying and to be learning so that you can help our church family stay on track and following God's scriptures. And then it can be a good thing. So we listen to love and then the next thing that happens is if we really, really, really listen, then number two, we are changed by love by love first john chapter 3 look at verses 4 through 6 everyone who sins breaks the law in fact sin is lawlessness but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin no one who lives in him keeps on sinning no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him so does that mean that you never ever ever sin well actually that verb literally means you don't sin and keep on sinning. It has this kind of continual idea of you don't sin and sin and sin and sin. In fact, chapter 5:18 says, anyone born of God does not continue to sin. So think about it this way. You, you, you used to be on this path, and maybe you're on this path now, where you are your own boss, or somebody else is your boss, or the world is your boss, but you are doing your own thing. But this moment comes where you say yes to Jesus, and you're baptized, and you surrender your life to him, and it's kind of like at that moment, you turn around this other way, you repent, and then you get on this other path. And you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and now I'm just going to follow him. But even when you're walking on that path, many of you are there, you know that sometimes you stumble and you fall down. And so what do you do? You confess that sin, you ask for help with that, but you get up and you continue to follow Jesus. And what we pray is that you would not ever just leave this life and go and leave Jesus and jump back on this old path, this old dirty path of saying, I want to do my own thing again and forget what Jesus has done for me. That's a dangerous thing. But instead, we need to be changed. And how many of you have tried to change yourselves? How'd that go for you? <laughs> it doesn't go very well, does it? It's hard for us to change ourselves. Anybody tried to ever fix anybody else in your family? Try to change them? How'd that go for you? It doesn't go very well. It's hard to change. You know why? Because there's one person who can really bring about the deep internal spiritual change, and that is God. Are there things that we can do to be part of that? Absolutely. At a staff meeting just a Monday or two ago, um, Jose was talking about somebody he had asked to be part of a project for the church. And he really wanted this person to help us with this project. And he had prayed that God would let this person say yes. He prayed and prayed about it. And he asked the person and the person said no. And we were kind of bummed by that. But we were talking about how even though we asked God to change this person, God still will let that person usually decide for themselves 
whether they will allow God to change them and use them in something, or to say, no, no, I don't want to do that. And sometimes we want, we say, God, why haven't you changed that person? And God is saying, well, I want to change that person, but that person needs to give me permission. And so what that means for me and for you is that you need to continually give God permission to change you. He's in the business of changing us continually, continually, but we need to be in the business of continually saying, okay, God, I'm okay. You found this new area in my life that needs kind of worked on or changed or thrown away, so I give you permission again, and we trust that he will keep changing us, and we may need other people to help hold us accountable and to get us there, um, but God will do that work on the inside of us, and so we we listen to God's love, and then we are changed by God's love. And then the third thing is just that we love. If those first two things happen, the, the third thing is going to happen. We just begin to love other people. And now some of you, if you've been here for the last five weeks, you're like, okay, I get it. Enough with the love stuff. You just keep talking about love over and over and over. And so if that's you, if you're tired of it, okay, fine. I mean, let's just get, let's just completely get out of 1 John because there's, like, the word love is used like 46 times in there. So let's just completely get out of the, of the book and try to find another place for you, okay? So let's just look at 2 John. Surely John has moved on to a new topic by then. 2 John, verse 5. And now... I am writing to you a new command, um, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. Again? And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So even though it's a different letter, what's John writing about? The exact same thing. In fact, he even quotes something he had used earlier, like, hey, hey this, is a, this is not a new thing. This is not something I'm just now making up. From the beginning of time, God has been saying, love me and love other people. Okay, well, what about 3 John? What if we go all the way over there? Well, 3 John is written to a man known for loving other people. In fact, practically, he loved people through uh, the gift of hospitality. Hospitality is when you say, hey, I will care for you. Come even into my home and let me love you this way. One of the most loving things that you can do for somebody is to say, hey, come hang out with us. We care for you so much that we want to spend time with you. We want to provide a meal for you. And I'll be honest with you, friends. I think this is one thing as I've traveled that the American church does quite poorly on. Everywhere else I've gone in the world, even places with extreme poverty, I see people inviting people over and they may serve them Beth and I were served in India in the, a, a, a house the size of some of our closets, a little cup of tea. They were practicing hospitality to show love to us. And I think it's part of our deal, deal in our culture is we compare ourselves with others. We're like, well, I couldn't have them over to, to my place because, you know, it's not very nice or it's not as nice as theirs or whatever. And we kind of compare ourselves or we think everything's got to be spotless and perfect to have somebody over. Now, if, if you want to have somebody over, then you should probably go ahead and pick up those dirty socks off the dining room table, you know, because that demonstrates love for your guest. But your guests are probably not looking for spotless perfection. What they're looking for is the intent to say, I love you, I care for you. You know who 
needs hospitality more than anybody else? You just look around and think, who doesn't have family and friends nearby? That's the target. (laughs) That's the person that we need to think about. Wow, they especially need my hospitality. But the truth is, we all need people's hospitality. We all need to be encouraged and to be loved. There's some people who may really, really need your hospitality in their lives as well. And so uh, we need to, to love in this way. Uh, John ends 2nd and 3rd John the same way. It's pretty interesting. He says, um, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Paul is saying the best way for me to visit with you is not through a letter or a phone call or Facebook or any of that. Those things can be good and they can be helpful. But Paul's saying, man, the, the thing that would really make me joyful is actually just to sit down across the table with you, to, to actually see you face to face. And this is true. This is true. Last weekend, it was better it was more joyful that we got to hold our new nephew in our arms and hang out with him. That was better than the pictures that had been sent to us. We liked the pictures. Holding him was better. And you, that's why on Christmas, it's better to be at grandma's house than calling grandma on the phone, if you can. It's just better to be with people face to face. And in our culture, there's so many ways to stay connected with people, digitally or through phones and other things, which can be a good thing. Sometimes those things, we can get so addicted to those that we actually replace the real relationship stuff with those things that can be kind of fake sometimes, or at least surface level. And so, church, one thing that we ought to be known for is just being with each other, face to face. That is so important. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. That's it. That's what really, really counts. Faith in Jesus expressed through love. Uh, This last week, not one, but two Highland Park kids broke their arms Rough week for Highland Park kids in the last 10 days or so. Uh, They had some literal fall breaks um, happening. And I asked Ron if I could just briefly share the story, but um, one of the kids was Reese Wood, um, who just had this awesome leap that he, the last words before the break were, this is my leap of faith, Um, (laughs) which is the most awesome little boy thing ever. I love it. And... But poor guy uh, ended up with a broken arm, and Ron and Haley had just sent me a note because I had checked on them one day and asked them if they need anything, and they just said, man, Highland Park's been so loving to us. And they said, you know, Connor helped uh, get us into a great surgeon really quickly, and Nancy Burgett helped us find a pharmacy with discount meds, and the Duclo family loaned us a car because we have one in the shop, and Joy Easter was running Reese's little brother, Hyun, to some stuff, uh, transportation needs, and we got phone calls and a, a really nice letter from the ladies' Bible study and emails and all of these things, and they just felt really loved on. Good job, Highland Park, for loving on the families who needed loved this week. You know, if we listen and we're changed by love, we end up becoming known as the people who love. 
In 3 John, he's writing to a friend and an elder, and one thing he says is, hey, watch out for this one guy. This one guy really only loves himself. He wants himself to be first. Ever been around somebody who really just loves themselves? The truth is that we're all kind of prone to be that way, kind of love ourselves. But then John goes on and says this in 3 John, verse 6, he says, they have told the church about your love. In other words, he says, you've become the person who's known for his love. Sounds like a good sermon series title. The people who love. Tomorrow night, here on our campus, we'll have this thing called Fall Fun Fest, and we've done this for years now, and we'll have this beautiful opportunity to become known as the church who loves. In fact, the reason that up to a thousand people or who knows how many will show up tomorrow night, um, the reason that those people will come is because they believe that Highland Park loves them. And some people will say, yeah, I know about you because you raked my grandma's yard. And others will say, yeah, 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 I, I know about you because you helped me when I lost my job and didn't have any food to eat a few months ago and I came to your food pantry. Others will say, yeah, yeah, I know that you care for people in crisis really well. And people will go on and on and they'll say different kinds of things. You know, we had somebody who's been part of, of Highland Park um, in some different ways and the, the way that when they had lost a job and they were like facing like real hunger, like completely out of food, that she went to her neighbor who lived in an apartment next to her and she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm out of food. I got nothing. You know all that's happened to me. The car's broken down. Her husband had left her. I mean, she just had, she had no other options. And her friend said, remember when we went to that Halloween thing down by the church? She said, I bet you those people would help you. Why would she say that? That's the only time they had been here. Because when they came to that Halloween thing down by the church with candy, they saw people who loved them. And that lady did come here, and we did help her. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing to see how God has used us to love her in her life. And tomorrow night, we just have one more opportunity to be the people who love and care for others. And we've built this reputation slowly over time uh, with lots of wisdom and care. And we just pray that we can continue to do that because many of the people who don't know Jesus in our neighborhood, they've heard the story at some point. Many of them have. Not, there's some who have never heard the story. They don't know anything about Jesus. But many of them have heard the story. The problem is they just have not met enough people who have loved them and loved them and loved them until they finally were like, maybe, maybe Jesus loves me that much too. And they kind of were able to overcome whatever negative thing happened to them when they were a kid. Or maybe just overcome the apathy that built up over time, kind of rejecting God, whatever it might have been. But let's continue to be the people who love. You know, anywhere you go in the world, if you find the greatest need, I can almost promise you that you'll find a group of Christians who are trying to meet that need, and they will be known in that community as the people who love. It's why in our friends in India, when a bunch of kids were rescued out of this terrible trafficking situation, and the local police brought them to our missionary friends, 
and they said, we don't know what to do with these kids, but we knew you were Christians, and we knew you were the only people who would take them. Why would they say that? Because Christians, when we were really following Christ, become known as the people who love. And I just want to ask you to help Highland Park continue to be the people who love. So for adults, for teenagers, for kids, for everybody, we have this great responsibility, this great responsibility to represent Christ's incredible love that he would even die for us, that we represent that to others. This morning, if you have never said yes to God's love, then we would like to offer you that invitation this morning. We know that, uh, we believe over the next few weeks, there's going to be four, five, or six baptisms. Not sure exactly which week those all might be, but we're really excited about that. And if you've never said yes to Jesus in that way, you could even come this morning, or you might want to talk to somebody and study with somebody more about that. We would be glad for that. If you want to come and just ask for somebody to pray for you, or maybe pray for your family, you can do that here. If you're over in the overflow, we have an elder there who would be glad to pray with you. You can just come up to the front rows, and we'll have some people up here that would love to just sit down and pray with you, care for you, love on you a little bit. That can be helpful to you. If you would, would you stand up? And uh, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. I want to pray for us first. God, I thank you that you love us so much and you care for us. And I pray that we can do our job as being the people who love, not so that people can just see our love, but so that people can see your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.